bless them today. Lord, encourage them. Draw them to yourself for your glory alone. Would you impact their families even through them and their neighbors through those families and ultimately establish your kingdom upon the earth. Lord, bring the kingdom from the realms of glory into the tangible reality of this earth in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you as we uh, move through this morning. I want to share the word uh, with you. And if you were here uh, last week, you probably uh, realized that I actually began by looking at the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, and I would encourage you to actually be reading on your own Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Some of the greatest men and women who have ever walked the earth have found the power and the presence of God profoundly released as they meditated through uh, those three chapters of Matthew's Gospel and then the Gospels themselves. Well, before I actually begin with uh, this second section of we're salt and we're light. Let me uh, clear up something. Maybe you were here last week and I was talking about Jesus going throughout uh, Galilee and he was doing the demonstrations of the kingdom and um, the multitudes began to follow him and his fame went throughout Syria and uh, the ten cities uh, to the uh, east of, of Israel to the south, into Jerusalem, Judea, and his fame was drawing people to him. It's in that context that I talked about what would it be like if the disciples of Jesus today took seriously the words of Jesus today and began to live them out. And then I said something like, and this is what I wish, you know, when you preach or speak publicly, you could take back your words or at least alter them a little bit to demonstrate what you really meant. I said that Israel has just started uh, their shooting war in Gaza. Of course, that offended some of you um, because Israel didn't start anything. They started their offensive. That's what my intention was. Uh, last week, everybody knows that Hamas has been raining down uh, randomly shot missiles into Israel. Uh, so in no way did I intend to say, Israel started this, those bad Israelis. No, for months and for years, uh, there have been people in the world who are bent on destroying Israel. Uh, so they began their offensive, their shooting war, uh, pushing back, and uh, have actually demonstrated great patience, far more than probably most of us could have demonstrated, in withholding their, their offensive moving back. Did, so did that clear up anything for anybody? A couple of hands. I know a couple of you because you, you talked to me. So I appreciate that. Um, we're living in a world that seems uh, pretty crazy, doesn't it, and out of control. We, we have the, 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 the Russians over here in the Ukraine. Uh, then we have over here the North Koreans shooting off medium-range missiles and scaring everybody to death. And then we have Israel and, and the latest skirmish in Gaza. And throughout the world, there's all kinds of craziness. And it's in the midst of that craziness that we have to see that we have a part. It's the kingdom that has come among us. 
Uh, so before I actually read the scripture, let me give you just a little bit of background here. I said last week in Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, you can't understand the Sermon on the Mount without beginning with the words of Jesus, where Jesus announced that God has begun a global push to reclaim what is rightfully His. When Jesus stepped into the earth and when He was born and raised and grew up and became uh, that that man in whom the locus of God actually lived, the God-man, Jesus began his public ministry. And the very first words that he spoke uh, was in uh, verse 17 of Matthew 4, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it was an invitation for us to change our minds, for that crowd that, were, that was listening to him to begin to change their mind uh, and specifically begin to understand that God was calling uh, them to begin to allow His rule to be demonstrated through their lives. Change your mind and join me, Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven is now at hand. That changed everything. Jesus invited us to join in with Him and change our minds too. And then in Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 23 of chapter 4, Jesus went about teaching and he was preaching the very same message he was demonstrating, which was preaching the good news of the kingdom. Now, the question is why is the kingdom, why is the gospel good news? The king, Jesus said he went around preaching and teaching the good news that the kingdom is now reigning, the kingdom of God. Why is it good news? Well, the good news is because. As we saw a somewhat untraditional translation or understanding of the Beatitudes last week, uh, the kingdom is good news because the Beatitudes answer the question, who can access the kingdom? You see, we tend to interpret the Beatitudes, as I said last week, as meritorious categories. If I work a certain way or if I, if I really become poor or if I really become weak, or if I really mourn, if I'm really hungry, or if I'm really persecuted, then somehow I become the God-preferred people upon the earth. That's not the truth. It's not the gospel. I think what Jesus was doing, he was looking out at the multitudes, the ragtagged army of those people who were uh, the weak, uh, the depressed, um, the, the repressed, uh, the oppressed, the downtrodden, the least likely to succeed in society. And he said to them, behold, the kingdom, the reign and the rule of God is now among you. Suggesting very clearly that by having a relationship with this person of Jesus, they begin to live out and embody the kingdom of God upon the earth that God is establishing by which he will reclaim his world and the people in it who had gone astray and been lost. That's the great reclamation, the reclaiming of his world that Jesus began. So that's sort of what I began to say last week. And then the Sermon on the Mount, what follows, answers the question, how do we then live as men and women of the kingdom? Do you know the kingdom's different than the kingdoms of the world? The kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of men. The, the spirit world, if you will, is different than the flesh of man. So Jesus was announcing, change your mind and join me because God is reasserting his rule and reclaiming his world and he's going to do it through people like you and like me. 
And I referenced Elliot Tepper. He's here. Wait to me, Elliot. <laughs> referenced his uh, masterful, I think, very short uh, book on the cost of the kingdom. And he talked about the Normandy invasion. I used that last week. Jesus was the first man on the beach. And he said, come on, we're going to take the hill. Not only are we taking the hill, we're going to push back the darkness in Europe, not only in Europe, but like that analogy suggests, God is going to have his way in the world. He will push back the forces of darkness. All of the craziness that you would see around you today, the scripture says, I think it is in Revelation 15, that one of these days, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Christ. Beloved, you can believe it. At the end of the story, we win. It's a happy ending. We have not only a new heaven and a new earth, God makes all things new in His timing, but right now, there's a lot of casualties happening on the beach. That's the bad news, if you will, of the kingdom. Well, so the Sermon on the Mount then shows, answers the question, how do we actually live as men and women of the kingdom? And to summarize what I've just said, Jesus was speaking to ordinary people. Any ordinary people in here? Ordinary people transformed by the Jesus um, are powerful influences. Ordinary people transformed by the power and presence of Jesus are absolutely uh, powerful influences in this world. And it's what I call a divine strategic placement. What I mean, God in his sovereignty has raised up ordinary people, the weak, uh, those who are looked down upon, those who, in, who are in their greatest need. And you remember Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 talks about God didn't call the big people. God didn't call the smartest, the strongest. He called those people who are in some ways the weakest those who are base, meaning those who are insufficient in themselves, into whom the king would then enter and begin to live out his rule and reign, and that would be transformational, not only in their lives but in the kingdom as well. So ordinary people transformed by the Jesus who is now in them would, live, would be powerful influences in the world, and God has divinely and strategically placed them and each of you in the place that he wants you for a singular purpose for such a time as this, to reflect the kingdom of God where you now live. Let me show you a little illustration here. Now, a picture is worth a thousand words, and the picture helps me keep my thousand words sort of... Um, uh, a little crisper. If you conceive of a circle, now I know some of you are going to say that's an oval. It's just the way we are as human beings, isn't it? We've got to bicker about everything. The, the, the oval here represents God at the highest level. God who literally spoke into being everything you see around you. Ex nihilo, out of nothing, God said, let there be and there was. That's the God we're talking about. The God who created everything. Now, if we push these concentric circles down, I think there's a truth that the Lord wants us to have this morning as it relates to being salt and light in the world. We're going to read that text in just a minute. Under God, then, God has created the world. The bad, the messy, the ugly, those things that draw our affections, the gold the glitter, the girls, all that stuff is in the world. 
but it's all under the reign of God at this very time. So God has created this world, and then out of that world, He calls men and women out of that world as the ecclesia, the called out ones, who by a a working of the Spirit, by a function of establishing the kingdom in the hearts of men, God creates a church. You are not here this morning because this is like any other club. God creates the church, the called out ones, by a work of the Spirit. It's a transformational birth in our spirit by which He fundamentally changes who we are at at a deep and radical way. Now notice that this church right here represents Christ in the world. This is going somewhere. Now within the church, those who God has called to represent Him in the beachheads of this world, then God has actually placed disciples like you and like me. Disciples are those people who aren't just believers, but they believe such that their lives have become transformed because at the root of who they are, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence. That's what makes you different, and that's what makes me different. Now notice the progression here. The Holy Spirit is Christ in you. He lives His life in you and through you and in many ways lives His life as you in this world. So we, we have His Spirit living in disciples, those who are authentic believers and followers of Jesus who want to just do more than just hear His Word but who actually want to do His Word in practice upon the earth. Those people make up the church who are representing Christ and then their mission actually is the world out of which God has drawn them into which He now sends them to be men and women of great influence. Now, that's what I call kingdom in. The kingdom of God takes men and women from the world and draws them out of the world to make them members of the church of the firstborn, we will be in that. We are already in that resurrection. And when that day comes, when we pass out of this life, you will be just as alive as you ever were and probably more than we could ever conceive. Because we're the secondborn. We read that in Revelation 1, 5 through 7 last week. So kingdom in, the kingdom of God comes in, transforms people, calls them out, of the world into the church, fills them with His Spirit. And then, beloved, God sends us out. That's kingdom out. This is what the church has not understood. Uh, So I put another circle here and uh, see if you can see it. And see that little, uh, it's a shadow under it. I did that for a reason because that circle represents the church as many understand it today. The church that has become actually a isolated and separatist subculture. You see what I just said? You see, kingdom in, we become um, um, radicalized, if you will, in our spirit by the king now living in us. 
and He sends us into the world. He wants His church to be right here in the midst of the world, influencing the world. And most of us are more comfortable in developing a, a shadow church that has become isolated and separated from the world in which we live. We have become, in many ways, in America and in parts of the world, a Christian ghetto. Now, I'm using that term as it was used of the Jews around the era of the Second World War, when they were herded out of those places of their living and they were put in um, a protected area. You can't come out. If you come out, you're bad. If you come out, we'll get you. If you come out, and they, they lived in the ghetto, and so do many of us. We live in the Christian ghettos, fearing the very world that God has placed us in to impact. We've allowed ourselves to become isolated and separated from the very world that God wants to redeem. Hello? Now, we want to talk about that for our closing few minutes here. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, if you'd like to turn there with me, I'd like to read beginning in verse, I think it is 13. Now, Jesus is just talking to the crowd, and he was talking about who the kingdom of God is for. It's, it's for the oppressed, the depressed, the social rejects, the tormented, the afflicted, the diseased, etc. And he demonstrated that love to them, and he, he, he then said, the kingdom is for even for you. And then in verse 13, he says this, you are, there's only two places in, gospel, in Matthew's gospel where he says, you are anything. The first place, he says, you are the salt of what? The earth, okay? You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Or how shall it be a, an effective seasoning? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of men. Secondly, he said, he mixed the metaphor, and he said, you are the light of the Christian subculture where everybody hides behind the walls of the church. No. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put the lamp on a stand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, what's house mean? He's world. You see, you're the light of the world, and don't put your light under a basket um, because God wants to use your light for a purpose in his kingdom. Verse 16, Therefore let your light so shine before men, that means men and women in the world, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven, or have, develop a good opinion of your Father who is in heaven. Now, let's look for, at this for just a, min, a moment. You are the salt of the earth. Now, you've heard sermons on salt and light. Salt certainly preserves, but not in our, our culture. 
salt does, however, flavor. Did any of you cook this week any time? Anybody? I did. Anybody? Come on. You ate. Did you go to a restaurant? You ate salt. And without it, your food would be bland. It just wouldn't have the flavor. It enhances the sugars. A little bit of salt enhances the sugars. It, it develops a robustness in the flavor. Salt flavors something. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. Not only does it flavor, but it attracts it makes it, that which is flavored, attractive, without which it is, well, just sort of so-so. That's what Jesus is talking about. This is a homegrown illustration. Jesus was talking to the ragtag army, the depressed, the repressed, the spit upon, the put down, the addicted. He, he was talking to them and he said, you are the salt of the earth. And you are not only attractive because of the inherent relationship to me through the gospel but you will become immensely attractive even in your weak even in your mournful in your sad in your hungry condition you will become attractive and highly influential somewhere remember the little circles um, ovals that I drew you see you're going to become influential multitudes in this world where I have planted you. Why? Because you've changed your mind and you've begun to believe that God is in your midst, developed relationship with this Jesus, and now you're going to walk in the midst of this world as salt, bringing flavor, bringing distinction, bringing preservation, and more than anything else, bringing influence. Now, salt attracts people to us. Some of us have become... Some of us have been become increasingly unattractive. Now hear me. We are in the conservative Bible Belt in the South. And honey, if you don't believe the way I believe, I will snatch your throat out. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? We're talking about Christians. Now listen to me. Because everybody has somebody that they disagree with. The kingdom of God is now reigning. We don't have to fight for our position. We're already in. We just simply walk with the attitudes of Jesus, and that is what salt is. Walking with the attitudes of Jesus. Salt attracts people to us, that is, to the gospel, by giving them a taste of Jesus who now is living his life in us. If you're not a Republican, now I'm poking fun at all of us. You know, if you're not a Democrat, if you're not a, if you're not a, if you're not a what? You see, if you're offended at something, that is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be further rooted and developed in your life. Okay, let's move on. Salt attracts people by the gospel by giving them a taste of Jesus. Salt actually is our character and transform life as we walk the way Jesus walked. The world's tired of seeing men walk like men walk. The world's tired of seeing people walk like the religious fanatics who don't know how to love, who don't know how to allow Jesus to be who he is in the midst of this world. You see, salt is our character that is becoming transformed 
uh, the transformed life as we then learn how to walk as Jesus walked. If we lose our flavor, our character transformation, because of Jesus living his life in us, Jesus was saying to that ragtag multitude, you'll be good for nothing but to be trampled under the feet of men. And beloved, that's where much of the church is right now. Being trampled under the feet of men. And they've assumed that it's somehow Satan that's doing this. And they've then isolated the church from the culture and the world in which we live and become isolated and separatistic so that we don't have any difficulties in our life. And God says, no, that's really not what I'm after. What I'm after is being highly influential people in the midst of this life. Now, Jesus didn't just say, you're salt to preserve and to bring flavor distinct taste, etc., and make you attractive through the gospel. Um, and by the way, the, the gospel will be attractive to many, but it will actually be offensive to many. But woe be to us if we're offending people. Let the gospel offend people. Because if you don't risk offending some people, you'll never be attractive to anybody. So he said, you are the light of the world, verse Verse 14, light can only illuminate what we are. So Jesus comes in to a man or a woman's heart, life, spirit, however you want to parse that or understand it. Jesus is now living his life in us, and he can only illuminate what he is producing in us. Otherwise, what people see is us. And nobody's impressed by seeing us. But they are very impressed when they begin to see Jesus in us. So light illuminates what we really are. Salt comes before light in the sense that we must be salt in our character before the light of Jesus can be seen to anybody else out there. That's why the church has to draw back and move into some of those uh, contemplative... Um, disciplines so that Jesus would be further enhanced and grow in our lives lest people just see us in this world. Salt comes before light. We must be salt in our character before the light of Jesus can be seen in us. Now the kingdom of God is inside of transformed believers with salty lives who can't help but be light, the light of Jesus flowing out of them. See, that's kingdom influence. What God is after in your life and what he's after in my life is for us to be so in love with him because of his great love for us that we are taken with that man Jesus and he becomes the only thing that matters to you. Jesus said it this way, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom, my rule. Change your mind. Seek my rule, and everything else is going to be taken care of. The question is, do we believe that? Now, you're salt and your light. You're not just one or the other. You're, you're salt and your light. Salt without light cannot sustain life. And many churches 
develop the character of their people, but the insides of the buildings are so encrusted with salt because there is no output of light into the world. It's like the Dead Sea, if you've ever been to Israel. The Dead Sea accumulates salt from up north, and it just languishes and, and evaporates. And the Dead Sea, I've actually been there, and you see wires sort of along the edge of it. And the, the, the salt accumulates in big, big crystals hanging on things near, right at the edge of the Dead Sea. You see, some, some, some churches are like that. We have grown in our character, but we never get outside because we're isolated and, and pulled back, retreating from the world. And God says, no, that's like the Dead Sea. So it's not just salt, it's salt and light. Salt without light becomes, well, no output. That's my point. Now, light without salt, without the character, walking as Jesus walked, can be blinding like glaring headlights at night when it's raining. When an oncoming car comes at you and their bright lights are up, and not only are the bright lights up, but they're shining off the wet pavement, you know, and it's... You see, without, if we just have the light, meaning the truth, correct information, that's what I'm talking about. If the church just has correct information without the character qualities of the salt in their life, we become glaring and repulsive to people. We, we just, have you ever shared with somebody and they're just like... It might not be that they're not open to the gospel. It might be that they're looking for, is Jesus real? in your life. Now this sounds like a word of condemnation and it really isn't. It's a word of, of encouragement so that the church can begin to understand our calling and step up out of and be salt and light in this world. Now the kingdom within us creates the character of Jesus who shines through us to everybody around us. And it's effortless. It's effortless in the sense that we simply surrender again and again to Jesus who is the Lord and our Savior. And over time, the journey that Judd talked about, leading people to Christ, is one step. But the journey that we're on then produces men and women of the kingdom who become fully mature as salt to flavor and influence and light to communicate the life of Jesus through our actions, through our attitudes, and through our words. Now, Jesus then ends in verse 15, and he says, Don't hide, and I would say, your salt, your character, or your light under a basket or under a bushel. They were made to be seen, not isolated from the world. See, this is our mandate. Go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples, what? Who believe in Jesus and live like hell? No. Everybody knows that's not it. To make disciples who, who begin to live and walk as Jesus walked upon the earth. That's why we have to meditate upon the, earth, on the world or upon the word and understand the word in the midst of the world. Um, so the gospel of the kingdom was meant to engage people everywhere. Everywhere the people of the kingdom go because you are a carrier of the king. That's what we've been hammering for months and months. When we understand our identity and our call, 
that Jesus is in us, Jesus now wants to really fashion his life in us and begin to leak out. I've mixed the metaphor to water, but to be real salt and be real light and really impact and influence the people around us. You all with me this morning? Okay, let's go through here. Now, this message is to the normal people that Jesus was talking to. The little people, the needy people, just like you and just like me. This message that Jesus was giving to the multitude was to the office workers, by analogy, uh, to school teachers, to nurses, to accountants, to electricians, to musicians, and I put even CNAs and CPAs. And I could have gone on and on on infinitum. You know that. It's the message is to everyone to change our minds and to allow the king to begin to rule in our lives because God has a world that he wants to recapture and his only army is you. Help us, Jesus. (laughs) He has and he will. So that if we go back to this illustration, you'll see a little bit now of what I'm trying to communicate that God has created a world and out of that world has called representatives like you and me, the normal people, the little people, the down and the outer sometimes, the up and the swingers. doesn't matter whether you're a politician or a lawyer or a doctor or an Indian chief or somebody anywhere on that spectrum. God's called his church into being And in that church, he's created disciples who are filled with his presence, with his Holy Spirit. That's what the the kingdom of God is all about. Go and make disciples of all nations. What's that mean? It means get people, draw people to your salt and to your light, share the good news with them that God loves them and wants to fill them, and the message of the kingdom is the same in every generation. Change your mind, because the kingdom of the heavens is now at hand. So come on and join me, because we're taking the beach, and yeah, there'll be some casualties, unfortunately. That's why you have to give it all. That's why the kingdom costs you everything. And that's sometimes why people stay on the sidelines and go, I don't know if I want to risk it. And Jesus said to them, no one who puts their hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Are you ready for the greatest adventure that there ever has been in life? It's calling men and women just like us to be all that God has called us to be in these days. I'm almost finished. Don't love the world. Now, someone asked me about this when I said, you know, we're called to love the world. James says, don't love the world or the things that are in the world. That means don't be captivated by the riches, by the gold, the glitter. Don't be captivated by those things that will get you off mission, off focus. Don't love the world in that sense. But, beloved... We must love the world as God loves the world. For every person who comes to Jesus usually memorizes John 3.16, For God so loved the that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever would follow Him and receive His life and His love. You see, and I'm going to end with verse 16 here. Verse 16 in Matthew uh, chapter 5 says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Now that sounds like a good works verse. That's not what that's saying. What it's saying is recognize that you're salt and that you're light and the kingdom is now within you and everything you do will be read and seen by people as the kingdom of God. So I translated it this way. This is my little translation. Let your light so shine before men that they will see what you do and who you are actually emanates from the life of Jesus in you and be drawn to develop a good opinion of the Father in heaven. See, that's what glory is, having a good opinion of someone. Uh, it's, it's, it's having a good... God wants to show the people of the earth and develop within them a good opinion of who He is and the only people on the face of the earth that He has are people, normal people, just like you and just like me. In yourself, you are insufficient. Everybody say, boo. Come on, boo. In yourself, in your flesh, you can't go the distance. But beloved, He has given to us His Spirit, and He is sufficient. And everybody said, yay. God living His life in us in these days will show himself strong in these days. Kingdom in equals transformation by the king taking up residence in us. Kingdom in. Kingdom out is influence in the world by the king impacting the world in service and in love by our attitudes and by our actions through people like us. So roll up your sleeves, church. That's what God's doing in these days. He began it when Jesus spoke to that multitude. Let the king produce salt and light in you. And finally, use your divine strategic placement. If you're a dental hygienist, if you're a CPA, you know, anybody, a lot, whatever is your sphere of influence is God's established beachhead for his kingdom through you. He has no other except those who are called out and those who are willing to be sent back in. Let's pray together, shall we? Worship team, why don't you come up and we'll end with a, with a song. Father, thank you for the simplicity of your word. Lord, your word, as you have told us in the Psalms, is a lamp to our feet. It's a light unto our path. Lord, by it you have established everything that we see around us on this earth. And in the fullness of time, you've called men and women out of the world to be your church disciples filled with the Spirit acknowledging your Lordship and willingly demonstrating the love and service of the King to all around them. Lord, as we end this morning the invitation is simple and that is whatever you're holding on to in this world your pride, your accumulated property big house, little house, five cars, no cars. <laughs> you know, beloved, it's all wood, hay, and stubble.
when compared to that pearl of great price? Would you surrender it all to Jesus this morning and trust that He has a plan that's far better for your life than you could ever imagine or produce in your own strength? If you're here this morning and have never received Jesus, this would be a great time to do so. Just open your heart and go, God, I don't really understand all this guy's talking about up there, but I do know this. I don't know you, and I want to know you. And I want to invite you into the sphere of my life to begin to rule and to reign there. You can do that this morning, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you are. I'm going to ask some of our ministry team if you'd be so kind as to come up here. and Let's just worship for a moment. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to do in your heart what he wants to do. No preacher or pastor can do that. But the Holy Spirit can touch and bring about his purposes in your life. Let's just take two minutes and we'll then move out. Let's worship together.
church, the church of the firstborn, the ones in whom the Spirit of Jesus lives. Let your light so shine before men and women all around you. They might see your good works produced by the King, emanating from He who lives in you, and develop a good opinion of your Father in the heavens and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Love on somebody as you leave and love on somebody as you arrive wherever you're going today. God bless you and have a great day.